This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to War Room Battleground. I want to start with, we've got a packed show this evening. I want to start talking about some of the battleground states. I want to go to Jenny Beth Martin of Tea Party Patriots, the founder of Tea Party Patriots. Jenny Beth, give us your assessment. We had Charlie Kirk on this morning and Boris Epstein that walks us through their, their perspective of what happened yesterday in Wyoming and what's happening right now, even as we speak in Alaska. Uh, give us your perspective from the Tea Party Patriots. Well, in Wyoming, I think it, it is just a total repudiation of the the Republicans who um, were never Trumpers. And the voters in Wyoming understand that Liz Cheney is more concerned about her hatred for Donald Trump than she is about the voters in her own state who she's supposed to represent. And they sent a very strong message that they don't want her in Congress for them anymore. And I'm very glad that that happened. Um, and I, I think that what we've seen in the last week and a half with the raid on President Trump's home has made a, a lot of people who maybe were a little bit on the fence or maybe kind of tired of his tweets and wouldn't mind somebody else being a nominee in 2024 just go, yeah, no, that we'll support Trump. We have to support Trump because they see what this government overreach is. And it's just a, it's a total witch hunt. What do you talk to us about um, uh, the J6 committee? This was this an up or down vote by the folks out there on 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 a repudiation, not just Cheney and what she stood for and her hatred of Trump, but also J6. Yes, I I absolutely think it was certainly um, among those those Republican voters. It 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 was. You know, I, I don't know how it all plays out when it's in a general election, except that I think this. I think most people are sitting there going to the gas station and knowing they're paying more for gas. Their groceries cost more. This summer, they probably have made decisions and opted not to go on vacation rather than go on vacation because of the cost of, of everything that has gone up. And they're worried about their own personal lives and what the government is doing to impact their own personal lives. The G6 committee, that doesn't affect them day to day. It doesn't even affect them month to month. And so I don't think that they really, I think that it's a lot of political show. And I think most Americans realize that regardless of what your political affiliation is, and that J6 committee isn't going to make us better off in our personal lives day to day. Let me ask you, you go around the country a lot. I know you're always traveling and uh, obviously you're with conservatives and, and Trump people and the, the Tea Party, but just generally restaurants, planes, does the J6 committee of what they doing or what they're doing, is it out there in the ether? Do you feel a buzz about it or people talking about it or do you see them reading magazines? I mean, do you get any buzz? You go around the country at all uh, at, at the hotel watching any... the local news. Do you get any buzz at all on J6? I don't 
hear any buzz about it. I mean, about it. It may be in local news from time to time. I'm I'm not really sure. I'm just saying that because I I don't really flip on the TV for local news very often. Um, but when I'm in restaurants, when I'm walking around in stores, I'm constantly having to go to a, a pharmacy because I left one thing or another in a hotel room somewhere. But um, I don't hear people talking about it, but they are talking about how much more milk costs, how much their grocery prices have doubled in the past several months and how they can't. Uh, I, I've talked to people in the last week and a half who've told me that their grocery prices have doubled this year, the cost of what they're spending on groceries. So they're either spending buying the same amount of food and spending twice as much, or they've had to cut back by half. I've had, um, I saw a mom who had tears in her eyes, not sure how she's going to be able to pay for groceries because she has three sons who are, are at the age where they're just eating everything that's in sight and it costs so much to be able to feed them. That's what people are worried about. The J6 committee, sure, people in Washington, D.C. are worried about that, but people around the rest of the country just are not paying attention to it. And to the extent that they have researched it, they've seen that what happened on January 6th, the way I describe it is it's like an elephant. And unless you look at every single aspect, it looks completely different from one person to the next because some people walked in and the doors were completely open for them. And then others did things that were clearly illegal and they never should have been doing it in the first place. So I, I think that that most Americans understand what the mainstream media has said about what happened on January 6th doesn't really jive. And then the raid with with Donald Trump's home last week, that, that doesn't jive either. And he comes out and says things like, they took my passports. Oh no, that didn't happen. And then it did happen. And the media is like, yeah, but Trump shouldn't have said anything about it. So Trump's a bad guy. Well, that doesn't even make sense. Talk to us. You, you mentioned to, prices around the country. You talk to people. Their the prices, you know, their food budgets are dub, uh, you know, doubling. Uh, Biden just signed yesterday, although it was buried at like the fifth or sixth story, much to the uh, uh, the uh, surprise uh, of the Democrats. The Inflation Reduction Act. Tell us, the Tea Party Patriots. You guys have done a great job over the years of looking at spending, of the problems of spending, of these massive deficits. You were guys first guys at the on the ramparts about the debt ceiling. Uh, you were also, I think you were singled out with the IRS came after uh, Tea Party groups years ago. Walk us through your interpretation of Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, ma'am. Um, it, it's a quadruple whammy, Steve. It doesn't decrease or reduce inflation. In fact, it does just the opposite. It's going to increase inflation. It increases government spending. It increases taxes. And it increases an IRS army that is going to do audits. So it winds up increasing audits that are going to happen to average Americans across this country. And you're right. Tea Party Patriots were, were the organization was targeted by the IRS in the middle of the targeting of Tea Party groups. They went after groups with Tea Party or Patriots in their name. And we had all those in our name. Um, it, it, a lot of what happened with that wound up being very similar to an audit. It was more extensive and overreaching, and it was done for improper and for political purposes. But a lot of it was were, were questions similar to what you would see in an audit. It took us two and a half man years at least to respond to the IRS and then to respond to the fallout from that targeting. 
is a small business, is someone who's running a small business, albeit it's a, a nonprofit, but someone who's running a small business, I understand how all of a sudden, if the IRS is coming down on business owners, small business owners, medium-sized business owners, that's going to have an impact on just their ability to run their business because they're already dealing with the supply chain issues, the inflation issues, and everything else caused by the lockdowns. And then to have the threat of an audit from an agency that can levy, levy, um, levy bank or garnish garnish money from your from your paychecks, levy bank accounts, put liens on your property, seize your property. It, it's a very intimidating, powerful agency, and you take them seriously and you drop everything else to respond to it. And it's not just going to happen to businesses, it's going to happen to middle class Americans as well. Um, Kevin Brady said the the ranking member, the ranking Republican member of the Ways and Means Committee said that it will increase audits by 1.2 million every year that's going to it that isn't going to affect just the the teeny tiniest most rich and elite in our country it's going to affect middle class americans and i can tell you right now no one wants to have to go through that so i i'm very troubled by the irs army that it, they're trying to build up and then on top of all that, the increased spending and the increased taxes are going to lead to more inflation and also put us deeper in a recession. By the way, they're very going to they're very much going to focus on pass through income. This is one of the things they've targeted, and particularly the Senate. I think the Senate Joint Committee on this said under two hundred thousand dollars. So those eighty-seven thousand agents are going to be all over the middle class. This is a middle massive middle-class tax cut when they passed on the uh, carried interest. They wouldn't go after the wealthy and carried interest because that's who their donors are and their sponsors. We've got 80-some days to go. What is the, the, the way to combat this is to win. And we've had some huge wins in primaries. Now we've got to win in general. Of course, the Florida and the New York primary, I think, are next week. Then we've got uh, New Hampshire in the, uh, on the 13th of September. We're going to have Caroline Levitt on here in a moment. Jenny Beth, what is Tea Party Patriots doing to make sure, one, we get out to vote and we win these House seats particularly, but in addition, to make sure this election, to the degree we can do it right now, is totally transparent and fair and we don't have any of these districts or any of these Senate seats stolen. Well, the, the most important thing is that we do have to get out and vote. So we are working on um, having our supporters send text messages and, and mail to voters, urging them to go vote for the can candidates who we endorse. Um, up until now, we have not made endorsements to our super PAC because we've worked so much through Tea Party Patriots Action on election integrity. We will be making endorsements and working on getting out the vote. But the biggest thing that we've worked on so far this year and that we will continue to work on through the rest of this year and into the next several years is building the election integrity task forces at the local county level. We helped, um, we've been doing that in all of the states that had problems, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. We've helped a little in Michigan, although Michigan has this amazing group of grassroots activists and state leaders who are, are doing an excellent job. And they haven't, um, so we've helped them as much as they've needed help. But we're, we're working to train people on how to create these local task forces, how to become poll watchers and poll workers, doing supplemental training, um, 
to the required training for poll watchers or poll workers. In some states, poll workers are called inspectors or judges of elections. And then we're working with American Center for, uh, American Constitutional Rights Union, Lori Roman's group, to train people um, so they can protect the vulnerable voters and help with the military and overseas voting. We've worked with some, some activists around the country who are working to help clean up the voter rolls. We'll continue to do that, although I think that some of that will kind of um, die off until uh, now that we're focusing on getting out the vote, some of that voter roll cleanup may wind up happening even more after the election than, than when you get much closer to the election. But we're doing all of that and more. We've worked with Heritage Action. We've worked with um, CPI and Cleta Mitchell. There's a huge coalition of national groups working on this and a huge coalition of state groups and local groups working to just make sure we have transparent, honest, and fair elections and that individual citizens know what our rights are legally so that we can help observe what is happening with the elections to ensure they are transparent and to be a check and balance on that election system to help make sure the guardrails are in place for fair and honest elections. They get to you on social media and how do we get, how do people that want to sign up or participate, particularly in the election integrity with this, what, 80 some days ago, uh, where do they go on your website? So to work on just on the election election integrity effort, go to transparentelections.com, transparentelections.com. You can always get to us at teapartypatriots.org. And I'm on social media as Jenny Beth M. That's Jenny Beth M. like Martin. Thanks so much, Steve. It's transparent. I just want to make sure once again, that's transparentelections, all one word, dot com. Yes, transparentelections.com. Okay, Jenny Beth, uh, you're a fighter and a patriot and uh, somebody that's had their shoulder to the wheel for quite a while. Thank you very much uh, for joining us here in the war room. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, uh, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. You always got to go on to the next fight. And what we're doing here is pressing on with the primaries at the same time, getting very involved in the generals. Uh, remember... This uh, Friday, the 19th, and I want to make sure we get it up and get it to Memphis, there's going to be two events, one for J.D. Vance in Ohio, the other for Doug Mastriano in uh, Pennsylvania. They're both going to have Governor Ron DeSantis, and it's Charlie Kirk and the team at uh, Turning Point USA. We'll get the times up and uh, everything, make sure we'll talk about it a lot. I want to make sure everybody goes to the site that's there. Uh, there are tickets available. You can go and uh, and support J.D. and support Doug Mastriano. These are going to be very important kind of kickoff events. Uh, the one that was done Sunday night for Carrie Lake and Blake Masters in Arizona was pretty extraordinary. Okay, we've got a very important battleground state, one that I still know that they stole from us in 16. That's the great state of New Hampshire, live free or die. Caroline Levitt, uh, one of our warriors from uh, from Trump White House is with us. She's running in New Hampshire one. First off, give us your assessment of what's happened over the last couple of weeks from Arizona now to Wyoming and what's what's transpiring even as we speak in Alaska with Sarah Palin and Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, what, what is your assessment of all this, Caroline? Well, thanks for having me on, Steve. And my assessment of this is that voters are sending a very clear message, not just to the Democrats and the hacks in the media, but to the weak Republicans in the establishment in Washington, D.C., 
that the America first movement will reign. You can come after Donald Trump all you want, but voters still believe very much in him and in his message to put America first. And that's why you're seeing these candidates win all over the country. I was so excited and proud to see Liz Cheney get absolutely pummeled that night. As you know, Steve, I was Elise Stefanik's spokeswoman when we ousted Cheney from GOP leadership. And now she's ousted from our party forever. She's comparing herself to Abraham Lincoln today. What a disgrace she is. Voters see right through that. They want true America first conservative warriors in Washington, D.C. to continue the work that we helped with Pre in President Trump's White House and advance the America first agenda and drain the swamp. Voters are very, very smart and they're wise. And that's what I've been taking from these primaries across the country. And I know it's going to be no different with the voters here in my home district, New Hampshire's first. What have, what have you learned? I mean, I think we had you on for your very first interview and you were on this early. You were pretty savvy getting into this. I mean, you, you knew a lot about elective politics. You'd worked at very high levels for very powerful people and with very powerful people. But what have you learned in this process uh, as because you're a fighter. Tell me what you've learned. I've learned a lot over the last year, mainly from my constitu future constituents here in New Hampshire. It's been seriously the most humbling experience of my life to meet so many great patriots who love freedom, who love our Second Amendment, who love our country, and want to protect our live free or die state. And I'm so honored to have their support. You know, you mentioned I did come on as one of my first interviews last summer when I got into this. Nobody in the establishment in D.C. believed in me, Steve with the exception of my former two MAGA Patriot bosses, Elise Stefanik and Kaylee McEnany, who knew me personally, knew I had what it took to win. Everyone wrote me off. Everyone told me to sit down and wait my turn and shut up. We've done quite the opposite. We have put together the best grassroots campaign that the state of New Hampshire has ever seen. We have a war chest of more than $1.5 million from patriots across this country, and we have an unprecedented ground game. I'm meeting voters at the door every single day. I have an army of young conservative warriors that I personally recruited at our liberal higher education universities here in New Hampshire. So what I've learned is to never sit down, sit down and shut up. We have to go on offense. We have to be truthful. I'm the only candidate in this race to say that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. That's why I'm surging ahead in the polls, because the people know the truth. And if you go out there and speak truth, you have nothing to hide. I'm not beholden to anyone in the swamp, and it's the most freeing feeling in the world. I'm only beholden to the people of New Hampshire. That's why candidates like myself are winning across this country. And again, I have no doubt it's going to be no different for us here in New Hampshire. Caroline, tell me, as you've gone around the district for the last year, give me the one or two biggest concerns, top of mind, with people that uh, you're reaching out to, to vote for you, people that will be your constituents, both the MAGA crowd and independents and also Democrats. What uh, For folks mm -hmm. in the Grand Estate, what's a top of mind uh, for them? Well, first and foremost, certainly the unmitigated spending down in D.C. The Democrats just passed their laughable inflation Reduction Act, which we could talk all day about the fact that it's not going to reduce inflation at all. People are very, very uh, nervous and they're hurting because of the unmitigated, uncontrolled spending. We have a massive labor crisis here in our state of New Hampshire. Every business owner that I talk to, I'm the candidate most supported by our business community here. They cannot find enough help. 
We have restaurant owners offering $30, $35 an hour for a dishwashing position. And young high school students are not taking those jobs in our state. That's, I, I believe, a cultural problem, too. We lack all sense of personal responsibility and work ethic amongst my generation, Generation Z. And that's an issue I seek to champion when I'm elected. Uh, but secondly, the border crisis is causing an unprecedented surge in illegal fentanyl coming to our state. We've been hit really hard by the opioid epidemic here. I have a lot of former colleagues and teammates and friends who are no longer with us because, frankly, they stuck a needle in their arm with drugs that came up from Mexico. So our law enforcement is really struggling to deal with that, and a lot of people are losing their lives. So it's my goal to be an issue or a champion on the issue of border security and speak truth to this. We might not see it in every state with the effect, the human impact of the illegal immigration, but we're feeling it with the drug crisis here in our state as well. Walk me through uh, your assessment of what's happened with President Trump over this Mar-a-Lago situation and the FBI and, and the DOJ, and particularly, what's the reaction of folks up there in the live free or die state? They're more emboldened than ever. I went out door knocking in our biggest city, uh, Manchester, the day after the FBI raid, and I talked to every single person whose door I knocked on. They were so fired up. They were so excited to see me at their door, and they said, President Trump better run again, and I'll do everything that I possibly can to support him. This shows how deep the deep state really is. It shows how corrupt the administrative state and the bureaucracy in Washington has become. This, as you and I both know, and voters across this district know too, this is another tool in the four-year, five-year-long witch hunt against this president that started the day that we beat the crap out of Hillary Clinton in 2016. Donald Trump shocked the system, and they've done everything they possibly can to remove him from office. Now they're doing everything they can to prevent him from running and taking office again. So I'll tell you, this is firing up voters here in New Hampshire. They are so excited about the possibility of President Trump running again. I pray that he does. As you know, I worked in his White House. It was the honor of my life. And I pray to God that we see him back. I believe he's our only chance to fight against these corrupt Democrats. They're, they're forcing socialism, communism, Marxism down our throats right now. And you know what's most concerning to me, Steve, is the fact that young Americans are just eating it up. I mean, I live amongst friends, my former college roommates, who have been completely brainwashed by the left. Every institution in our country is pushing this stuff. And it's going to take a fighter like President Trump, fighters across this country taking back the House, to shake up the system and keep going on with this fight. Because if we don't, if we don't inspire the hearts and minds of young Americans, we're not only going to lose elections as a Republican Party, but we're going to lose our country as we know it. You've worked and, and had the uh, opportunity to work for two of the most dynamic uh, young female leaders in this country, at least Stefanik and uh, Haley McEnany, um, and have just really, you know, broken the mold and, and stepped forward and just been incredible leaders of their generation. What do you say to people to say, hey, I really like Caroline Levitt. I like the cut of her jib. I, I like the way she's tough and aggressive. But when I walk into the state capitol or down to the U.S. Capitol, I look at uh, portraits of, of former congressmen from uh new hampshire it's it's a mismatch and it's uh and she's a little young for us right what 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 is your what what's your what's your comeback to that 
I've heard that many, many times over the past year, but I've heard the opposite a heck of a lot more. People are really excited about the fact that I am young. I'm bringing in new energy and I'm speaking truth out on the campaign trail. Again, that's why we have the best grassroots campaign in this district by far, and we're going to win in a few weeks. But to the naysayers, what I've told them, and many of them, most of them are in Washington, D.C., not here in New Hampshire. Uh, but I have said to them, look, if you want an old and tired, corrupt career politician, then don't vote for me. Don't support me. Don't give me a check. Frankly, I don't care. But look at D.C. That's exactly why we're in this mess, because we've elected the same and old, tired career politicians time and time again. If we want true change, if we want to truly change the direction of this country, then it's going to take new, young, dynamic leaders like myself and so many others that are running across the country right now. And, you know, when I speak to older folks, I say respectfully, you know, this is about your children, your grandchildren who are my age and are believing in Marxism. They're being taught to hate each other. They're being taught to hate our country. They're being indoctrinated from the time they step into kindergarten all the way through until they graduate college. They're hearing it in the local news, the mainstream corrupt bias media. They're hearing it from big tech companies. They're watching it in Hollywood. I mean, if we don't elect someone like myself, we're going to lose our country. And usually with voters, that's a pretty compelling message. I don't think the swamp in D.C. has bought it yet, but they will when I'm elected in a few weeks. I, I totally agree with you. I think for our audience throughout the country, this is the, the inside the beltway. This is the way the apparatus works. You've got to, you know, have a certain look, have a certain style, uh, be polite, because it's all about controlled opposition. So that's why these uh, fire breathers, when they come up, people are scared to death of them. It doesn't matter age. It, what it matters is heart and fighting spirit and, and brains and character. Caroline, how do people follow you? What are your coordinates on, on social media? And particularly for our audience, how do they get to your campaign and find out more about you? Yes, please. I encourage everyone watching to please go to my website. It's carolineforcongress.com. Caroline with a K, as you can see on the sign behind me. Look, I need all the support and help that we can get to make it through. We have amassed a war chest of small dollar grassroots donations, more than 1.5 million over the last year. I'm so humbled and blessed for all the support I've received. But we're in the nitty gritty over the next three weeks, and it's a dead heat race. We are in a statistical tie with my establishment anti-Trump rhino opponent, Matt Maurer. So we need all of the help we can to beat him on the 13th of September. Please go to my website, carolineforcongress.com. You can find me on Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, Instagram, Facebook at K-L-E-A-V-I-T-T, -L -A -T -T, and it's Caroline with a K. Steve, I really appreciate your having me on. Thank you so much. God bless you. And you got to come up to New Hampshire, by the way. Everyone loves you up here. We're, we're, we're definitely, the war room's definitely coming to New Hampshire. We'll give you a heads up. We're definitely coming to New Hampshire. We love the grass. I spent a lot of time in New Hampshire when I was young. So that's, I absolutely love the state. The Caroline, for your dad, you're, baby. Thank you. You're a fighter, Elise and uh, Kaylee. Be very proud. I know they're proud. You're a fighter. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. This is why um, Magus ascended. We've got the best talent, no doubt, by far. Okay. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return. We've got two heavy hitters, Raymond Ibrahim and our own Joe Allen. Uh, Raymond's here about combat rosaries. Joe Allen's here about, well, I'll let Joe explain it. It's actually worse than what he really lays out, normally lays out about transhumanism. All next in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. 
They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Defenders of the West, there's been a lot out there this past week about uh, different things on the rise of Christian nationalism, and particularly they're looking at uh, not just politicians, but you know they're trying to blame everybody. They're completely per- uh, clutching their pearls on this. But most importantly, they've said that Atlantic Magazine says there's a new weapon. They've weaponized something that is as dangerous as an AR-15, and that would be the Holy Rosary of the uh, Christian faith, and particularly the Catholic Church and other branches of Catholicism. I want to bring in Raymond Abraham, the author of Defenders of the West, an amazing book. I think now, Raymond, the timing couldn't be more perfect. People need these stories to really understand. And and I think you brought up something as we talked in, in getting you ready for this uh, to come on over the last couple of days. Many, if not all of these warriors uh, were very close to the rosary and uh, and had their own combat rosary. Is that correct, sir? That's correct, Steve. Um, you know, that Wall Street uh, hit piece on the rosary where they, you know, called it an extremist piece. I think they really let the cat out of the bag, in my opinion, and they showed what it is they very much fear, which they try not to talk too much about 
which is the idea that Christians might fall back on their heritage, which was actually bold, brave, and combative, and not necessarily just in a militant way by force, but vocally. And um, so when you read that piece, he actually, the Wall Street article piece, they complain about how the rosary is now appearing in lots of images of Christian warriors praying historical characters, um, you know, under the, 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 you know, Deus Vult, God wills it, meme, and all sorts of crusader imagery. That's what scares them. And as you're saying, you know, well, in one way they're right, because actually the rosary was part and parcel of all the wars that Christians fought especially against non-Christian enemies, especially the Muslims, as in defenders of the West. They took the rosary with them. They they did everything that, you know, is purely Catholic. They engaged in communion and so forth. They prayed and all that. And I think, uh, you know, this is now we also understand why Hollywood goes out of its way in every movie. The heroism or the heroine is a female. Um, they never, it's, this is all part of the war on emasculating men and making sure that they do not reclaim their masculinity, especially in the historic sense, which is this Christian sort of, you know, just war theory where, yes, you can love the sinner, but you hate and you combat and you outlaw the sin. And I think this is, a, you know, even in that article, you know, he preaches to Christians about how they need to turn the other cheek and how they need to love their enemy. And I always find it interesting that the avowed enemies of Christianity are always the ones who pontificate to Christians about the need to love their enemies. You know, it's this idea of a doormat Christianity. So, like you said, all throughout the book and and, and it, as you say, it's connected in a way to, the, to my book, which recently came out, because that's what they don't want people to understand, know, or learn about and be inspired by. If you read about the stories of these men, they were as Christian as they were militant and as they were set against evil. Um, and I think, you know, this is the whole the whole point of what's happening today is they just don't want people falling back on that mentality. You know, here's here's what's important is that you, your first book was Sword and Scimitar, and that took the whole story of the rise of Islam uh, as a, as a it was a it was a militant or martial religion in the expansion, and then then this conflict and the many you know centuries of conflict with Christianity, particularly in in Europe. Uh, your second book, Defenders of the West, really takes that process and puts those, the stories are really around individuals, El Cid, Richard the, Richard the Lionheart, um, you know, uh, Vlad the Impaler, uh, you know, different personalities that have gone through. So you tell the story biographically. But one of the things that you get in both books is that it's been, and this is where the propaganda that comes from modern media is, modern media makes the Christians in the story always the bad guys. And, and always the aggressor. It, nothing could be farther from the truth. The, the whole point of the Crusades was done in defense of being a, a call going out uh, from Constantinople for for help about a uh, you know a, an, 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 really a, an insurgency or a a mass wave against the, what the Seljuk Turks. And your personalities then also say these guys didn't go out looking for these fights. When they were called to defend, that's why it's called defenders. It's not aggressors of the West. It's defenders of the West. And I challenge anybody to go in and read these stories. These men all would have rather done something differently, right? They would have rather lived in peace, but they just were in times that there wasn't going to be peace and they had to defend it. It's kind of like I say today, we would love to be able to have a group hug and hug this out, and but you're not. There's certain cycles in history and your place is in that cycle, it's, you know, you got to do your duty for that time in the cycle. 
That's what's so powerful about Defenders of the West. And I strongly recommend it to people because in reading the stories of these individuals, you'll be able to reflect upon your own life and, and really think through your own values and what you have to do to actually stand up and make sure that you, that you uh, represent those values and that you have a duty or a dharma, right, to represent those values. That's, I think, the, the power of it is. And, and this is why this piece on the rosary, because they're trying to trigger you, but it's such an important piece. You know, the Atlantic magazine is kind of the intellectual magazine today of the progressive left elite. Uh, and this, uh, you could tell they commissioned this and they had the guy think about it and then dropped it at the exact time they dropped it to get a response. And, you know, it's very deep. I mean, when they sit there and he goes to, he spent a lot of time in research and he said, the rosary today is equivalent to the AR-15. They mean that. They're not, they're not, they're not, that's not hyperbole for them. Your assessment, Raymond Ibrahim. Yeah, I agree. And it just it shows you how kind of, you know, open they're becoming in their hostility towards Christianity, in this case, Catholicism in particular. And, you know, as you point out, these heroes that we discuss, the defenders of the West and, and these men are the natural, you know, inspirational default fallback for any Western man, even if you're not a pious Christian. And they've gone out of their way to expunge them out of history. And when they're not expunged, to completely demonize them. And I discuss that in the book, how so many of these men who were heroes for centuries are now considered bad guys for the reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, more importantly, and what they fear is, you know, this mentality, if you look at today and compare it to the past, the West is much stronger militarily, financially, economically, technologically than the Islamic world. And yet look at how we get disgraced constantly. Look at Afghanistan, for example. And back in those days, the West and Europe was actually so much weaker and smaller than an all-engulfing Islamic world. And yet these men, because of their own sheer willpower and, and you know, determination, fought. And these were kings and nobles who had a lot to, they could have sent their soldiers, but they went in the midst of the fight and fought and died, most of them. So it really shows yes. you, it underscores the importance of the will as opposed to just having, you know, the, the, the technological advances that we have, but we don't have the willpower, the yes. manliness behind it. Use it. Well, if people start praying the rosary, that's where it comes from. Raymond, how do they get the book and how do they get to your writings? Yeah, you can get the book. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but also for people who don't want to use Amazon, I think they can go to what's called conservativereaders.com. And it's also you can order it through there and other on online places, I suppose. Um, and also, if you go to my website, raymondibrahim.com, uh, I have various links to that book as well as Sword and Scimitar. And what about uh, social media? What 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 uh, platforms you're up on? All my social media is on my website, RaymondIbrahim.com. Um, instead of me giving all the different names, they're all there. They can click on them. Thanks. Perfect, Raymond. Thank you very much, Defenders of the West. I cannot recommend this more, and I cannot recommend it more to get to if you have young boys or men, anybody, any kid over the age of ten, you should get a copy of this book for them and have them read it. It's that important. Thank you, Raymond. Um, I want to bring in Joe Allen. Joe, I want to start with this very disturbing story. You were kicked off uh, social media. It, it was Twitter locked you out, sir? That's correct. They nuked me for now. Yeah. Um, and actually. Yeah, but here's what. But, but, so so, so hang, hang on here. Joe is our editor of Transhumanism. He's working on a very special project. That's why you haven't seen him on the show quite as much because he's been spending a lot of time grinding on something. But talk about how you get involved in this story. And if they have the NBC, if Memphis has the NBC story about uh, the children, what, Children's Hospital of Boston, uh, they can put it up. Tell us, tell us what this controversy is. 
Yeah, uh, Boston's children Hosp Boston Children's Hospital has come under fire after uh, people like Libs of TikTok, uh, Christopher Rufo, Matt Walsh. Uh, they've all been pointing out uh, the Center for Gender Surgery there and the the sort of menu of uh, procedures that they're offering. They, they basically they initially. Uh, we're offering it to 17-year-olds and up. Uh, now they've changed that to 18-year-olds and up, but they appear to be offering uh, puberty blockers and cross hormones uh, to children. And, it, you know, really the, the, the really striking uh, footage was from Boston Children's Hospital themselves. Actually, if Memphis has that cold open and can play it, uh, I think that might really uh, open the eyes of the audience as to what this organization has been up to. Do we have that? Can we play the cold open? Okay, let's go ahead and play it. A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically, and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys, things like that. They always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that they are, that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be treated. A phalloplasty is a procedure to uh, basically create uh, uh, a penis or a phallus for uh, an individual who was born biological female and who seeks transition to uh, a male uh, gender. The procedure is done with plastic surgeons and urologists. The urologists manipulate the tissues in the surrounding area to lengthen the urethra. A new scrotum is created and uh, some of the anatomical parts of uh, the female anatomy are removed. The plastic surgeons are in charge of creating a new tissue that will ultimately meet the lengthened urethra and the additional tissue that's been moved to uh, create uh, the uh, neophallus. We typically utilize tissue from elsewhere. For example, the forearm or the thigh is used. The plastic surgeons are also responsible for uh, providing sensation by doing the nerve coaptation so that the new phallus will have sensation and also respond. <laughs> yeah. So, Thanks, um, um, yeah, no, I can't take it. I, I can't, I can't, I can't deal. I can't deal with it. I just can't. It's, it, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's something so bizarre. People should understand. I know you went to school in Boston over there, Boston University's theological school. I went to the to the university there in Cambridge. Boston Children's Hospital, correct me if I'm wrong, it's one of the most respected and revered hospital for children, not just in this country, but in the world. Is that correct, Joe Allen? Up until last week, uh, you know, I think a lot of people already knew and had been calling out the fact that uh, the Boston Children's Hospital has a center for gender surgery. And we're asking why would a place that specializes in childcare be offering any sort of gender transitioning therapy, right? Or, uh, you know, in air quotes, uh, gender affirming care is what they call it. Uh, and I think 
in the wake of these videos being released and publicized by people like Libs of TikTok or uh, Christopher Rufo, people were furious, rightfully so. And so the hospital has come under tremendous pressure, emails, phone calls. I'm surprised there aren't armies of people standing out in front of there right now. And, you know, when you have something like hormone therapy, it's horrific enough. But when it was rec when it was realized that they're offering uh, hysterectomies, uh, vaginoplasties, phalloplasties, it really gets to the heart of what this is. I mean, this is uh, surgically facilitated mutilation, and it's being done to, if we take Boston Children's Hospital at their word for the moment, kids from 18 on up. But again, this being a part of the Children's Hospital indicates that they intend for that to be some part of the progression of care for young children going into adulthood to undergo these sorts of things, which as anybody who's looked into this knows, almost invariably ends in some sort of complication and oftentimes in the same sorts of suicidal tendencies that uh, people who don't receive these treatments get. The one difference uh, is really, aside from the mutilation itself, is that when you have a medical facility offering these sorts of things, they stand to profit tremendously. And on top of that, you have the entire ideological structure that goes on top, right? You have this demand to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, declare your pronouns or respect other people's pronouns or not to dead name people. There's this ideological or cultural movement pushing it as well. And, you know, being in Boston for four years, I can tell you that it suffuses the culture there. I do think, though, that if those people in Boston that push so hard for a gender reassignment, as they would call it, and especially for child gender reassignment, I think if they were aware of the sorts of bio horror that is going on in on these surgical tables, they'd be much more reluctant to support such a procedure. You talked about army of people, you mean protesters, but to, 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 to do that. There has to be a general understanding of this. Do you think there is? I mean, it's it's fairly complicated. You just said, you know, it's the people that push general uh, gender reassignment knew about the surgery. Don't you think they know? I mean, you think that there's look, I can't watch this stuff because one, it's never been an area of interest. One of the reasons that we cover it is that the ideology of it's gotten so radical and they've pushed it down into the schools. I mean, they're, they are obviously pushing this down to be taught or to be have your children have access to it all the way down to kindergarten. This is some of these huge fights around parental rights throughout the country. The other reason I'm interested in it, it is obviously lay some sort of predicate to the whole issue of transhumanism. And that is going to be, as I said, and, and you, the reason you're on board here in the war room, the defining issue of the first half of this century, right? The, the singularity and what it is to be homo sapien and what is post homo sapien and how they, how they're going to be treated differently and how they're going to treat homo sapiens differently. So, so when you talk about an army of protesters showing up, don't people have to understand really what the issue is here before they get, uh, they get upset enough that they actually go outside and put a sign up and protest it? Yeah, I think that uh, on the right, there's much more of an awareness of the sort of grotesque nature of these sorts of procedures. On the left, I think it's much more sugar-coated. I think that people on the left just simply see this as an issue of freedom, an issue of personal choice, or oftentimes it's framed that these people are born this way 
the only real humane way to approach it is to affirm the gender of the person that claims to be someone of the opposite sex. Uh, but I, I don't really, I, I would like to imagine anyway that people on the left that are supporting, especially something as, as nasty as a child transitioning in this fashion, I would like to think that they're simply not aware of how grotesque it is, how damaging and, and how violating it is to the body and what sorts of extremes people are going to in order to sort of conform to this gender ideology. You know, you talk about the, the connection to transhumanism and it's directly connected. This is a sort of preview to the kinds of human augmentations and human enhancements that begin in the biomedical establishment as healing. And then they intend to push it along to enhancement, things like uh, literally just, uh, you know, a, a voluntary uh, uh, prosthetics or voluntary digital implants, including brain implants. These sorts of things are not that far off. And I think that gender reassignment surgery kind of shows you the extremes to which people in the population under certain ideological influence will go in order to transform themselves. It also shows you how the biomedical, estab the biomedical establishment is not only supporting and facilitating it, but profiting off of it and driving the sorts of scientific discoveries and medical uh, techniques that are required for these things forward. So, you know, in transhumanism, there's a concept called morphological freedom. And morphological freedom basically states that one's body is one's own, and therefore one can do whatever one wants with one's body, which, you know, I, I think in my younger years, I was far more supportive of something like that than I am now, having seen where it leads in the end. I think any libertarian who can imagine even an 18-year-old who's able to make their own decisions undergoing a gender reassignment surgery should probably rethink their sense of liberty. And then as you move forward into transhumanism, when you move forward into things like voluntary prosthetics or digital implants or a, you know, a permanent state of being in virtual reality, I think that the same sort of libertarian mindset breaks down in the face of the sorts of horrors that really will emerge as people begin to tinker with what God made us to be, to put it in a, in a religious context. Uh, Joe, we're going to get to, we'll have you back on tomorrow. In fact, we'll be back here at 10 o'clock. We're going to have Joe on the morning show to discuss uh, Elon Musk and Optima. We ran out of time with this. And I also want to follow up tomorrow with him on, about Chris Rufo and Matt Walsh, this entire, this, this Children's Hospital Boston story is a story that's getting bigger, not smaller. Uh, Joe, real quickly, what is how do people uh, track you on social media? How your coordinates and how they get to your writings? Well, you won't find me on Twitter at the moment, but you can find me at Gitter at J O E B O T X Y Z or my Substack JoeBot.xyz, and of course WarRoom.org under the Transhumanism tab. Thank you very much, Steve. Always go, always go to Gitter and get Joe Allen. He'll be on tomorrow. Joe will be back to talk about Elon Musk and Optima. As we told you, there's a lot more to see there than Elon Musk originally said, and we'll discuss it tomorrow morning. We'll be back at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. in the War Room Eastern Daylight Time. See you then.